I will try and interrupt you if you make it difficult to edit. Because I find that amusing. Now, you see how I timed that? It just she was taking a drink. You know, I do have controls and I can put you on mute. Can we find our way out of this uh, maze of rabbit trails? Embrace the rabbit trail. So, I'm sorry my that my interview has put your butt to sleep. <laughs> You're listening to the Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors. We'll be discussing their books, their fandoms, and their writing processes. So sit back and enjoy another exciting episode with your hosts, Aaron, Josh, and Liberty. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm Liberty Spidell, one of your hosts, and today we have episode 25 with Tosca Lee, and this is our episode where we focus on her writing. So today we discuss her pantsing slightly, but mostly plotting style of handling her writing, um, how the rhythm of walking can help just in general when you're writing and you're blocked, uh, how she always has maybe a first line when she gets ready to start her process. And also, Scrivener, does it do the laundry for us? So you'll want to hang in and figure out what that's all about. Um, we go through a lot of stuff. Tosca is just a wealth of information, and if you've never had a chance to talk to her or to hang out with her at all, or to even hear her speak at a writing conference, this is a really good introduction uh, for you as a writer. Um, she just covers so much ground in this, and we could not be more grateful for the time that she spent with us. Uh, something she recommends is give yourself permission to write some crappy stuff, even caveman's stupid sentences, which I think she might be trademarking that, so um, she's got dibs on that. Um, she her uh, Googling question was interesting, and it goes back to one of her uh, books that she wrote, uh, one of the biblical historical fiction. Um, and then we get into some of the fun stuff with uh, her favorite shows, her favorite fandoms. Uh, if you know her at all, I uh, think that most of these probably won't be a surprise, but they're pretty fun. And... Um, yeah, we talk food a little bit, which uh, if you hang out on Tosca's page, she talks a lot about food. So it shouldn't be a surprise. So that's pretty much a lot of what we cover in the show today, and I do hope you'll enjoy it. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, Tosca is doing a book signing in Rochester, Minnesota. Details are on our page, um, and that is this Sunday... Uh, June 12th, I believe it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at the Barnes & Noble there. So that is uh, Sunday, June 12th, 2016 at 2 o'clock. And our very own Josh Hart will be there. He helped coordinate that. And uh, you can go get a hug from Josh. Just tell him I said it was okay. Um, additionally, uh, hopefully shortly after this podcast goes live, I will be 
starting a uh, giveaway on Story Cartel for my book. And if you don't know anything about Story Cartel, that is a website where you can go and get free downloads of books for a short period of time when the author chooses. And uh, the you get to be entered into a contest to win a Kindle. I believe it's once a month. Um, and uh, the only way you qualify for that is by leaving a uh, review on Amazon. Or, um, I, I think that's the, the main qualifier, but maybe Goodreads and Barnes Noble and Kobo as well. Uh, so that's uh, going to be ongoing for a couple of weeks, so you want to check that out. I'll be putting links to that on our Facebook page and probably our website. Uh, and one last thing, Aaron DeMott is uh, going to still have his Goodreads giveaway for another couple of weeks. So if you haven't had a chance to enter to win a new threat, go over to Goodreads.com, go to the Goodreads or the giveaway section, and look up uh, his uh, his name uh, and uh, enter to win. So he'll be doing that through the end of the month. Uh, so yeah, everybody has a little bit of something going on this this uh, week, so that's a good thing. Uh, so I think that just about covers it. So without further um, hesitation, here's the rest of uh, our podcast with Tosca Lee. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. We are here tonight with Tosca Lee, and we're going to be discussing her writing process. Thanks, Tosca. And stuff. Thanks for having me. Hey, Tosca. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Tosca, are you a plotter or a pantser or a hybrid? I am an aspiring plotter, but I am a hybrid. And I say aspiring because every time I write a book, I tell myself, okay, this time I'm going to plot this baby out so succinctly that all I have to do is fill in the ands and the thes and the buts and it's going to be good to go. And every single time I get in there and it all just falls apart. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the problem. Every time I go in and I, I start outlining you're at 30,000 feet. So when you get down there, boots on the ground, I call it, it totally changes your perspective and things just change. And so the thing that you thought was going to work out and, and work so well, now that you're in there and you've written the details and you're writing from this, this point of view. And remember, you know, when you're writing, you're, you've got a point of view character. So it's like having a GoPro on the character's head, right? And it's, it just changes. And so every single time it falls apart and, and I end up pantsing. I, I know where it's going, um, and I know some some of the twists and turns along the way. But there are days where I sit down and I'm like, I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> well, and then I go do laundry for a while because I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to step away uh, when you're not really sure what's going on, and it is, and add a little bit of distance. I find that doing something well, super mundane, you know, and I think that's why writers, historically speaking, they walked. They get mm -hmm. out and they go for a walk They're, because there's something about the rhythm of walking. And I think there's also something about just getting away from the desk and staring at something 
and worrying it into a knot um, is so valuable. So for me, I um, I tend to be a hermit and I don't leave the house very much, so I just do laundry. Hey, that works. Yeah. That's also does not like being buried under a mountain of laundry. <laughs> I have a lot of clean clothes. <laughs> So, what does your writing process look like when you finally sit down? It looks like a giant mess. Actually, um, so what I do is when I start a book, and everybody I know does this completely differently. Um, I was talking with a, a new writer today, and you know, and I was just really fascinated to hear his process because everybody does it differently, whether you've been doing this for decades or you're brand new. For me, um, I start off with a document um, that's just one long document, and I've got like maybe a first line because I carry first lines around with me for a long time, sometimes years. So I might just have that. I kind of have an idea of what's happening at the midway point. I know I want everything to turn around and like fall on its back in the middle. And so I start adding these things more or less roughly in order. And then I end up printing it out and I put it in a three ring binder. I've tried um, doing this in a very organized way in Scrivener, which is what I now use for all my research notes. Um, but I apparently I lack the discipline or something or the gene or, and I know Scrivener does a lot of stuff. I mean, it does like, it probably does your laundry for you, actually. <laughs> It's a powerful program, but for me, it just ends up being one more or less document, and then I go in and I start adding stuff in. So that's that's my process, and and on a daily basis, I procrastinate for as long as I can, for real, and then I come in and it it takes me about twenty minutes of squirming around, and doing everything from picking my cuticles to cleaning out my trash bin, you know, before I finally engage. But I find that 20 minutes is pretty much the magic amount. And then I start writing. And, and I here's, here's what I've found. And it doesn't matter how many novels that I've done. I have to remind myself of this every single time. I always have to go back to my number one rule, or sometimes my friends have to remind me, and I hate it when they have to do that. But the number one rule for me is always write like no one else is ever going to read it. And you're totally lying to yourself if, you know, if you have a contract and, you know, you've got a deadline and you've, you know, been paid in advance, you know, because in theory people are going to read it when you've got those things. But that's the only way I know to actually just free yourself up from the fear and the, the stuff that can totally cripple and constipate you when you're trying to get something out on the page. Mm -hmm. So I write like no one else will ever read it. And that's the only way I know how to be honest because, you know, fiction is really, it's supposed to be the lie that tells the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the truth includes the scary things and the questions you're not supposed to ask. And it includes, you know, the emotions and the things that that you went through in your life that you give to your characters. Um, that you felt like you were the only person in the world who went through them. Mm -hmm. And they're so important because your readers are reading because they want to know that they are not alone. Mm -hmm. So that's my process. And then I write for a while until I get tired or hungry. <laughs> <laughs>
And then I go procrastinate all over again. And I go through that process three or four times a day and night sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of bacon. That's <laughs> a lot of things. Is that why you guys do it? Um, well, I, I hear a little bit he has a thing for pickles, but I don't know. <laughs> for what? Pickles. for pickles. I love pickles. Well, I had bacon at dinner, so. But mm. I, had yeah, I, have, I have little kids, and I homeschool, so it's like it's I get constant interruptions. I, I get constant interruptions, so I'm always, you know, just up and down. And if I get, you know, 200 words written in a sitting, that's really great. Even though I love the days when I can get two and three thousand words done in a sitting, so. See, I don't, I don't know how you do it. And I, I have friends who are moms who homeschool and I'm like, you, I don't know how you do it. And Ronnie Kendig, um, homeschools mm -hmm. for kids and I just, mm -hmm. I don't know. And she, she is so prolific and I have no clue how, you know, I'm a new mom and I'm like, I, I'm like, I'll just, okay, so I'll just, I'll stay up all night and work. Mm -hmm. huh. But then you have to wake up because they like the kids like want to eat and stuff, and they require stuff like food and shelter. Yeah, like every day yeah. too. Like I fed you yeah. yesterday. No, no, no. You don't. You don't need clean clothes. Clean <laughs> clothes. That's um, when we got four stains on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> here, yep. come here. Let me just squirt some shout on you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. I, I, I need to get within five feet to be able to be knocked over by the smell. You're good. Yeah. Just just okay. don't be around anybody else. Yeah. But I, I seriously, I have mad respect for moms, and I always have. But now that I've got children at home, I'm like, seriously? Like, I how how do you do it? How do you do it? You know, I, I'm astounded. Like, we, we're just starting to homeschool, and that's going to change my writing process. Um, and like my wife is doing a, the lion's share of the work and it's like, how it, you don't have enough hours to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, well, I feel like on the note of all everything, how long does it take to knock out a draft? It, say that again. It broke up so much. It it sounded like I don't a. Know really how long things take? How long does it take? How long does it take me to do a draft? Uh, yes, that. Okay, so I have yes. done drafts yeah. in six to seven weeks, and I have done drafts in a matter of months, and I've done one that took me a year and a half or maybe a little longer. Hmm. I don't like to prolong the pain too long. Hmm. Because it does get really painful, and you know, because don't you you know find that like when you're really in it, it's very taxing. It's super taxing because you're concentrating so hard. And my dad and I actually had a conversation about this. My dad is um, he's a retired well, professors never seem to fully retire. So, but yeah. he's technically retired. But he's written, I don't know how many books he's written. He's got at least like 30 or so on me, you know, or 40. I don't know how many. And we oh. had this whole conversation after I finished um, the sequel to The Progeny. And, and we had had this conversation in the past one other time. And, and for him, too, you know, it's like 
sometimes that hard, shorter burst of really concentrated activity, if you can fit it into your life, if you can do it, is a really great way to stay completely present. And that seems to be the way that I work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have also broken out in the middle of a manuscript before, you know, I was writing, um, I was like halfway through Iscariot. And then I stopped to write Forbidden. Mm-hmm. And then I came back. And that mm-hmm. was so hard. Mm-hmm. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. But I think even a couple of days or a, one day or two days, you know, if you're in the middle of a manuscript and you take a day off, you're losing momentum like every hour that goes by. Or at least I am. I feel the same way too. So uh, the, my book that I'm working on releasing later this summer, um, I stopped it in the middle of it and went and wrote its prequels beforehand So and released those. And then I came back to it last summer, and it was so painful to get back into it. And it took me forever just to finish it, just because yeah. it ended up ballooning to like 170,000 words anyway. But, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was another problem in and of itself. That's I've, I've, I've just come to the conclusion that I'm the world's slowest writer. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have friends who write very slowly, and um, but they they perfect as they go mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I don't do that I kind of have to vomit all over and then I can go like see what's in the chunks <laughs> there's no pretty way we have a winner write. for the most disgusting mental for yeah. <laughs> I have lots of gross analogies when it comes to writing but it is it's kind of like it's a it's yeah, and I'm, I'm making writing sound so horrible and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But, you know, there are days when you're just like, oh, man, yeah. and you're just retching to get it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially when it's a hard scene like a death scene or something like that. Uh, I know that I, there were two bi- big death scenes so far um, in my work in progress, and each one writing this one, like, two-paragraph scene or three-paragraph scene took, like, two or three days. Mm-hmm. And I was crying through it because I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is hard. See, the, for me, it's the, the really, when you get technical action, because you have to query. Okay. For me, those are very, the super emotional ones, that, that, those are not as hard for me, but it's the very technical ones. I remember when Todd never writing the books of mortals and he was like, okay, you need to go uh, write the battle. And I'm like, you write the battle. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go do this transformational one. I was like, I want to do the transformational one. He was like, no, you got to write the battle. And I'm like, I hate the battle. <laughs> it's so much work, you know? So all that is to say, what were we talking about? We were talking about the, the, yeah, the, the, Time away, and so if I were to take time away in the middle of that, I would like completely lose my place. I think Stephen King talks about that too, actually, in um, on writing, doesn't he? He says, you know, when you take a break, it starts to your manuscript starts to feel like some distant um, telegraph or something from Romania or something, and it does. I think of that a lot, like when I've taken a day off or something in the middle of a project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate taking time away, even if it's necessary for whatever reason. So, my husband seems to think I need to take a weekend when I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> I like 
getting hooky from stuff. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm really good at neglecting, you know, stuff I should be doing, but, but I always end up paying for it when it, when it comes to writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Tosca, where do you go to edit? So I used to go, um, I used to just take off and go somewhere. Like I love New Mexico. I love Maine. Uh, one time I took myself to St. Lucia. <laughs> there's, there's Godzilla. And I took myself to, that is not a random thing. Aaron has a Godzilla head on his screen. Um, <laughs> Thanks for catching that, Tosca. I thought I should clarify. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I went to St. Lucia one time, and, and that's like the honeymoon capital of the world, and everybody thought it was so weird that I was there by myself, and I asked, the, this, there's this, like, security guard guy there one night, and I, I was like, do people, like, not come here by themselves? And he goes, well, there was this guy once. So apparently this is not a usual thing, but I was working on Hava and it was very beautiful and Eden-esque there. And, um, but these days now that I'm, I'm married with children, I, I, uh, I have a town home an hour away that I go to that has essentially become a, an office space for stuff like that. Yeah. So do you do much self-editing? I do a lot of self-editing. <laughs> I also have I also have an editor friend named Steve who um it's it's become almost like suspicion superstition not suspicion superstition for me um to to you know I I won't turn something in until I've had him take a a, a pass through it because um he's done all my books I think except for one and um, I like having a little set of eyes before I turn it in. And he knows my ticks, so <laughs> <laughs> he knows my writing ticks, and um, he knows them so well that when he goes in and makes comments, all he has to do in the comments sometimes mm -hmm. is just say "ahem," and I'll look and I'll see what he's talking about because it's something he's called. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's huge value in having. You know, an editor you've worked with on many occasions who gets you and then won't right. let you get away with anything. Aaron? Well, next topic is how do you go with roadblock or do you even get it? How do I? I'm sorry, it warbled again. How do I what? How do you deal with writer's block? Writer's block. That's the laundry, for real. I, it, I, it's doing laundry or sometimes I just so say, many comments. get it. And I just go watch TV, you know, and the only other thing I know, and usually I'm just avoiding the thing I really need to do when I kind of feel that way. Um, and the, the best thing you can do, honestly, is just to give yourself permission to write some really crappy stuff. You have to write through it. Right. You know, but it's easier to go do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Or, sort of necessary. You can kind of talk yourself into thinking that it needs to get done anyway. So you yeah, might just do it. To. Or you can just like play mm -hmm. hooky and throw it all off and go watch TV, which feels <laughs> well, of course. good. And you can tell yourself, I'm going to get inspired and That's then go away. Kind of inspiration, yeah. Yeah, it's inspiration. 
But honestly, the best thing is just write some stuff and just write through the scene, even if you're writing the stupidest sentences you've ever written, like caveman stupid, you know? <laughs> like, nice. true stupid. yeah, caveman stupid sentences, get through it, clean it up later. I need to trademark that phrase, caveman stupid sentences. We're going to be getting a nasty letter from Geico now. The Geico caveman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I haven't commercials in a while. Are they still doing those? No, they aren't. No, I haven't. Sorry, Sorry. Tolbert, you both. <laughs> so to explain to you, Tosca, um, Lots of cars pass by. It gets loud. I have to mute. I have oh, a toll booth. What is he doing? Got it. Okay. He's working at toll booth. That's his day job. Didn't you catch that? Yeah. I'm just wondering why he kept like handing people quarters and stuff like that. I know. <laughs> yep. Well, that that's how I pay for my snacks that fuel my writing. And <laughs> speaking of which, um, what snacks Ooh, nice or beverages? Our must-haves when you sit down to spill ink. You really want to go down this road with me? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, considering that you just did a post on your Facebook page about um, a bacon critic that for a job application or something. I I was I'm so close to I am so close to sending in my essay for that job. <laughs> like you know, do it. just every cost of bacon. Can you imagine like getting reimbursed for bacon? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. I, you know what? I love everything. So here's the thing. Every single time I sit down to do a project, I it's it's all good and and stuff at the beginning, but towards the end, it's it starts getting hairier and deadlines getting closer and the hours are getting longer. And I always say, you know what? I'm gonna like. Avoid carbs, and I'm going to like eat my greens, and I'm going to work out, and keep not yeah. just you know for exercise, but also you know to keep my brain sharp and all this. Nuh uh no, no. Every time towards mm. me, it's like I want Cheetos, I want Panera mac and cheese, I want the cheeseburger, no, the double cheeseburger from the Culvers down the street. I want all the bad stuff, and then there's no working out. There's none of that, so, but Cheetos, I live on Culver's on deadline, because, and there's, there's a Taco Bell, like, a block away. Oh, no. <laughs> I know I reached a certain threshold when I'm, like, at Taco Bell at, like, midnight. <laughs> well, and if you can walk there, that's dangerous. Uh, but I, I don't walk. That would be extra. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Closest place I can walk to to eat at is a barbecue joint, but Kansas City has the barbecue everywhere. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, my dad and stepmom live on the back of my block, so and and they cook. <laughs> oh no. Working <laughs> sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, do you want us to bring you some food? Like, we'll walk some over." And I'm like, "I love you." <laughs> <laughs> Home cooked meals on feet. It's so great. So, yeah, I think it just comes down to like comfort food because you know when you've been sitting for so long, you know, your body gets sore. You know, 
I, every single time I forget the physical toll that long hours of writing take on your body, you know, mm-hmm. it, it comes down yeah. to want some comfort food and it's probably not the good stuff that's good for you, but for a little while you feel a little better. <laughs> you know, I have no snacks tonight and it's driving me nuts. I keep looking around here and there's got to be something to eat. I have. I got nothing. Nothing. I have Twizzlers somewhere nearby. That's all. Pretzel sticks. Pretzel sticks. See, that's the thing. It's the salt. I love the salt. Yeah. So, what is the weirdest thing you've ever Googled? I've Googled a lot of weird things. I Googled. I, I spent a whole day, literally a whole day, researching... First century ancient public latrines. <laughs> because you have to know this stuff when you're writing biblical fiction. Like, you know, there was a scene where I was absolutely convinced I had to, you know, refer to this. And the stupid thing is I can I can Google research, whatever, you know, look for one little detail and then it, it might just like show up as like one tiny little maybe not even a sentence. It's like a mention. Mm-hmm. But and I became fascinated <laughs> with ancient public latrines, <laughs> and I saw some when I was in Israel. I literally I saw some in Caesarea at this um, oh. place where there was this track and stuff, and they're like the stone thing, and it's laid out with the holes in them and stuff. It was super fascinating, totally different cultural situation. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> I, I know Best invention ever is indoor plumbing. <laughs> What's that? Best invention ever is indoor plumbing. Oh, I totally agree. Yep. Yes. Indoor. I can Actually, see. toilet paper is a close second. <laughs> I thought it was sliced uh, bread. You know, toilet paper wasn't invented for like 100 and 150 years. The first toilet. Huh. We just heard wah, 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 wah. I think, I think it was about uh, how long it took him after the first toilet was uh, developed to have toilet papers, like 130 years. But, was that what you said? Apparently, uh, Liberty speaks Charlie Brown. Because, yeah, that is, that is what I try. When they get uploaded in the Matrix. I'm just getting better at understanding that, I guess. <laughs> Six months with the podcast. <laughs> Either that or I'm reading. <laughs> okay, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm not going to fixate on food. <laughs> okay, so let's move on before uh, Tosca gets on a food rant. <laughs> Maybe I need to set up a Kickstarter for a better internet connection. <laughs> there will there will be Cheetos on Sunday, Tosca. Ah, ah, the original Cheetos, the crunchy ones. Here, let me show the you. Crunchy kind or the uh, styrofoam kind? <laughs> Please be the crunchy kind. Here, ready to go. I know. The styrofoam covered the original. Yeah, there you go. The original, right. yes, that is the only way to go. Yeah, 
that highly suspect orange powder. The kind that are packing peanuts, the powdered cheese are just cool. (laughs) Yeah. What do your marketing practices look like? My marketing practices? Yes. Yes. Marketing? Um, You know, marketing is one of those things where nobody has the silver bullet. Nobody knows exactly. Um, lately, especially with the progeny having just come out, like, well, two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, um, with it having just come out, um, it, it, has, it has to do with really engaging with readers. And I'll tell you what, that is a huge, um, it's super fun. It's hugely rewarding, and it's also a huge time commitment. I mean, literally... If you're going to respond to everybody, um, we're talking, you know, a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really stepped up the, by we, I say my, my helper, Cindy and I, you know, we've really stepped up trying to reach out on social media, which means I also recently joined Snapchat, which was, mm-hmm. it, it's so ridiculously easy that it's hard. I mean, I was like, I don't understand the Snapchat and cause you know, there's like, there's no not very many buttons, but anyway, so we're on Snapchat and um, Instagram and, um, and it's, it's really just, I, I always feel like I'm pestering people with a message like, okay, buy my book, buy my book. But social media is so congested these days and so busy that it, it takes a lot of that to kind of get a, a book release, something like that in front of people. So mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Um, you know, if you're published with your, you know, a, a traditional publisher, you've, you've got the advantage of a, a marketing and a publicity mm-hmm. team, which is a huge, huge help because there are certain things that, you know, I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't get myself certain radio interviews or whatever. So um, there's a lot that, that you know, is out, out of my hands. But the social media is a huge one. And, you know, I... I have found that, you know, the reason we write books is to connect with other people. The reason people read books is so that they don't feel like they're alone. But when you connect Mm -hmm. with people, readers on social media, and and they're like, wow, you saw me. You, you know, you took the time. That's, That's very meaningful. And it's meaningful for me, too. So it isn't just about marketing. That is that is part of the process for me, you know. Mm Is connecting with other people because that's that's ultimately why we do it. Mm-hmm. We don't, don't want to. We want to feel like we're not alone. Right. So, good words of wisdom. I think that's what most marketing comes down to when you you boil it down. So it does. I, well, and when you think about the things that you buy or spend your money on, they largely boil down to emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So. So, what, uh, which fandom or fandoms do you feel have influenced uh, your writing the most? All of them? <laughs> Firefly? Okay, I have to say Firefly just because I love it so much. But, um, you know, I, I, and I, I fully took the opportunity to slip some of my favorites into the progeny because it's not like you can slip, like, Star Wars references and stuff like that into your <laughs> biblical, ancient, first century historical stuff. Right. Well, I, 
You kind of can if you're you really can, good. but you have to be very tricky. If you're very tricky about it. For example, it. you can have you can have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. That's true. Yeah. What? <laughs> I just read that that was in every single Star Wars movie, and now I'm going to have to go back and watch all of them to make sure. Every one. <laughs> I think it was in the last one twice. At least. Yeah. 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 It was uh, in Empire Strikes Back twice. Yeah. Fan, uh, fan theory that I just saw. Um, quick, quick rabbit trail. Um, Han Solo actually is uh, at least force sensitive um, because every time he says, "I have a bad feeling about this," something bad happens. He actually is more accurate than that, uh, with that than Yoda is. So he has like a, a sense about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, but you know what? Um, the show, one of the shows that I love, and and it was on enough years ago now that sometimes I can't find anybody to talk to me about it. Which is, it's the remake of Battlestar Galactica. I love that series because it's so brilliant. It's so intelligent. It's so smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and I, but I, of course, I love Firefly because it's Joss Whedon, and I love him. Yeah. <laughs> What's not I, to love? I used to love Roswell. Remember Roswell, the teenage alien yeah. drama angst series? Yeah. yeah. I never saw that one. Yeah, I, I haven't And you know what? It, I was binge-watching that when I still had to binge-watch it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually do slip that into uh, the progeny. I did. And she's yeah. watching it on DVD. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Nice. I remember, okay, so here's something funny. I remember when Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the last season or the last couple seasons, it moved to a different network. Mm-hmm. One that I didn't get, like, we didn't, it, we didn't get to the cable company where I lived. So I had a, a college friend who lived in California who was also a Buffy fan. She would videotape it on VHS. Remember them? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. why am I sticking the VHS in there? She would videotape an episode and mail it to me. And I would wait for the mail to come so I could find <laughs> out what was going on with Spike and Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is so lame, isn't it? But I, and, and a couple times she was like, no, no, I'm going to do this very efficiently. I'm record two or three episodes on the same videotape and I was like, no <laughs> it will take forever. Can't wait that long. <laughs> Let's never speak of this again. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Well, I know what I'm going to look for at a yard sale to give to Tosca now. Yes. <laughs> Every now and then I still watch episodes, you know, I'll be like, oh, I, yeah, okay, I'm not talking about that anymore. My kids think I'm completely bonkers, so. <laughs> well, you're an author, best of course line, you are. Best line, full screen, dude, yeah. to be eaten. I miss that. Some, something about being eaten. <laughs> Is that's the kind of attitude that leads to being eaten. <laughs> that's one uh, quirk of the new principle. 
Yeah. I like it when the the new watchers the or the watcher people are coming and they're trying to inspect and see like if she's being trained appropriately and she goes yes and afterwards I get a cookie. They say stuff like that and people are like huh you're you're always eating cookies and I'm like no that's not the point. <laughs> you know now now I'm having flashbacks to the actual Buffy movie. Like oh, are you on drugs? And just as the principal asks her that, she flicks a, a thumbtack or whatever, and it like pins a fly halfway across the room to the wall. And he just looks, and his eyes get really big. <laughs> that was a that was a while ago. Yeah, many moons. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite book? Um, <laughs> you know, Evil question time. You know how many of my friends are authors? Every time I get asked that, and like in, in the question too, like, who are your favorite authors? I'm like, are you trying to get me killed? <laughs> I, one of, okay, so I'll tell you what, um, one of the books that really kind of gave me a love for sci fi fantasy. And this is old, so I'm totally dating myself, but it was called Lord Valentine's Castle. And uh, the author's name is Silver or something or something. Lord Valentine's Castle. And I remember reading that and I was like, wow, this is crazy and it's weird and it doesn't happen here. And it's, you know, and it reminded me of the Saturday morning cartoons I love, like Thunder the Barbarian and, um, and Robert K. Silverberg. Silverberg. Thank you. So I loved that. And then the book I loved after that that I've read four times, and it's a behemoth. I mean, it's got like 800 or 900 pages, is The Mists of Avalon. Mm. And it's it's technically fantasy, but her characters were so amazing. I, I thought they were real. Of course, if you can't make your characters real with 800 or 900 pages, you're seriously, like, missing something. <laughs> you know? But and it, that is the story of the women behind King Arthur's throne, and I absolutely loved it. And I, it, I just, it was so smart, and I can't say enough about it. And and it makes me sad because a lot of people haven't heard of that book because it did come out in I want to say like seventy nine or eighty, mm -hmm. early eighties. But yeah. Hmm. So what are you reading right now then? If you don't want to say what your favorite book is, what are you reading? Reading, um, I'm I'm reading the Fifth Wave, but you know I'm also listening to a lot of books on audio because of you know driving around so much. You know, especially if I come here and then I am going back or driving kids around or whatever. So um, I've been listening to Scott Sigler's Alive. Mm -hmm. Should we just take a look at at my audio list? <laughs> sure. Okay. That was my dorky look. Um, <laughs> surprisingly close to my normal look. <laughs> you know, a book that I just listened to that I loved was Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. That is actually, that was really fantastic. I'm listening to Departure by A.P. Riddle and Alive. And um, I just downloaded, but I haven't started, Hounded by Kevin Hearn. Hearn? Hmm. Six of Crows, Red Rising. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm in the middle of all those 
right now. Mm-hmm. You wow. should totally add a uh, Liberties um, series, the Darby Shaw files. Is it? Do you have it on audio? Yes, I do actually. Really? Yeah. Is it on Audible? Yeah. Okay. Produced it through ACX. How was that? I enjoyed the process. My narrator, uh, it was Sarah Rogers. She was very good, and uh, I think she's building her career. And it was the it was an interesting process. It took a little longer than I had had hoped, but I had a very long book to read or to do as well. So. I'm thinking of doing that for um, Demon. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. I think that it would be well worth it. So. Yeah, that's that's on the, the to-do list. Because it was never an audio book, but I think it would be, be a good audio book if, you know, if we found the right narrator. So mm-hmm. if anybody else there, out there wants to <laughs> audition... <laughs> All right, so this is about the uh, 10-minute warning uh, before we have to move on. Sorry, Tosca. Before we have to clear the pool. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Aaron, I think it's your question. Uh, what, what's something that surprised you the most about being a Something that surprised me the most. Um... You know what, just being an author surprised me because, you know, when when you kind of get get it in your head and you're like, I really want to do this. And I, I, ha- I want to tell you a really cool story that um, today I had a meeting at Barnes & Noble and it was, we decided to meet in the Barnes & Noble Cafe because, you know, there's food there. So, <laughs> in the Barnes & Noble Cafe. <laughs> and, um, and I was meeting with this uh, new writer and... It's it's funny. I'd come in and we we met and we're getting ready to leave and I was like, oh, before I go, I want to see if they have the progeny here. So it was a different Barnes and Noble from the one that I had signed at when it came out. And um, this new writer that I was meeting with goes, oh, it's right over here. And I and I was I saw where he was pointing and I went over there and it's sitting there. Um, and I have this picture on my Instagram actually. It's sitting there on the new releases table you know, on the top shelf there facing out. And I was like, gosh, you know, and, and this, this new writer, his name's Nick. And he, he comes over and he goes, gosh, I hope, I hope someday that that is me. And I was just having this weird moment because I remember going to Barnes and Noble 20 years ago thinking someday I want a book on one of these shelves. Mm-hmm. And then now there is my book on that shelf. And here's a new writer next to me going, I hope someday that's me. And I was like, so be, doing this surprises me. And on, on the days when I'm like, oh, gosh, this sucks, you know, and I can't get it, and I'm tired, and I'll never make my deadline, and my back hurts, and everything hurts from sitting here. At the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? We are lucky to write, and we are lucky to have stories to tell because not just for ourselves, but because the people that read these stories, a lot of those people are going through something tough in their lives. And I've been through tough Mm -hmm. things in my life and I have escaped into a good book. And by giving the world great stories, you're helping somebody through something way harder than you may ever know that's going on. And it's, it's a privilege to get Mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah. So, you know, you're writing a little bit, Tosca. 
Oh, be grateful. I think, I think grateful. that's the first time that that's happened on the show. Oh, well, get get Godzilla back. <laughs> that's there's that's Godzilla. It's a Gorn from Star Trek. It's not Godzilla. <laughs> See? It's a there, Gorn. There you go. We've got a space. What spaceship is that? Is that the Enterprise? It's right now. Oh, bite yeah. my tongue. I can't believe it. Yeah, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Which one, where? I've got several uh, spaceships on my desk here. I've got the, uh, I've got the ghost from right Star Wars back. Rebels. <laughs> Do you know what I had on my desk when I was writing Hava, the story of me? Yeah. My friend Steve, the editor friend. What was that? Me a um a catapult with cows and ducks, the Monty Python one. <laughs> and I literally could sit here and catapult cows and stuff off my desk and, while writing Hava. It was the greatest thing. That's awesome. Yeah. What? Oh, that's it's, a, is that Spike? That's a Spike, spike uh, pop. <laughs> that uh, that was inordinate excitement. <laughs> Pretend I didn't react that way. No. <laughs> Too late. Uh, what's one piece of writing advice that you want to share with aspiring authors if there's something uh, that you haven't already said? So I have a, a few. Um, one is, um, again, write like no one will ever read it because the minute you bring self-consciousness to the page, you, you're like sabotaging yourself. And we need that honesty and the world needs your honesty and, and readers want that connection. Even though the story is made up, even you know though it's fiction, um, write like you're writing in a secret closet and you're writing uh, top secret stuff. Um, and you know what? Every single day I write a book, unless I forget. <laughs> but I don't usually forget. Um, I get down on my knees and I pray. And it sounds a lot like whining and begging. But I think that I think that's okay. Um, I think it's okay to, to remember that the the process of creating something is a, is a, a holy process because anytime you create something, you're living the legacy of the most creative being in the universe. So maybe you're just making a pie or maybe you're just, um, it all goes back to food or maybe you're making like a beautiful, um, flower pot or something like that. But anytime you're creating something, I honestly believe you're engaging in a holy act. And so, um, you know, be glad and don't be afraid. There's no reason to be fearful. Uh, we bring so much fear into writing. I do too. But it's literally in your genes. It's literally part of your genetics. And anybody who ever comes to me and says, I'm not a creative person, I totally, I, I, I don't believe that at all. Mm -hmm. At all. I literally had a, a lady friend of mine who has the most beautiful garden I've ever seen say, I'm not creative. And I'm like, hello? Did you see your garden out here? So yeah. um, don't worry about, you know, the fear parts. Um, trust that it is in you. Um, and remember that um, that people need your stories. And now I'm crying a little. Don't cry. 
Nice. <sighs> it's it's just the onion. <laughs> I you know what I'm I'm amazed and I'm I'm humbled and and I am in awe of readers and and I remember the first time a reader came to one of my signings and was crying and I was like why why are you crying and the the thing is when you create these things and you put them out in the world you don't know the impact you're going to have you don't know the the hours of relief you're giving someone from possibly a very difficult situation. You don't know the hope that you're giving them. You don't know the connection you're giving them. Um, they may never write to you to tell you. Um, but but let me assure you, you're making an impact in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. Wow. <sighs> and the subtitle of this episode is The Profound Episode. <laughs> no, the Crybaby Episode. What's up with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tosca, what would you like to accomplish next uh, where your career is concerned? I want to, I just want to continue to write stories. And if I could make a living doing it, I can continue to make a living doing it, which is getting harder. Um, for every writer I know, I mean, the, you know, there's the saying that the $50,000 advance is now the, the $15,000 advance and, you know, uh, writers, you know, are, it's, it's getting harder, but if I can keep writing and if I could keep doing it as a job, I'd be very happy with that. If I could, um, write stories that stay with people, I'd be happy that you know my 11 year old was like how long are you going to write for are you going to like you know when are you going to stop and I think it's because he wants me to play football with him and half the time I'm like I gotta work um and I was like I I don't think I'm going to stop I'm going to keep going until I'm you know until I'm insane and stuff and then it'll probably get better you know I just want to keep doing it mm -hmm. Um, and I want my kids to be proud of me. Mm -hmm. That's that's really. Yeah, and then of course our next career goal is to make everyone cry. <laughs> yes. If I can make people, I just want to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I do like to to bring up emotion in people, but I also like to make people laugh, and it's been hard to do that in some of my my earlier stuff. I would like to write some humor. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't had the right vehicle to really exercise that very much, but well, whatever it is, it should involve some food and bacon. I don't yeah. like food. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs food? <laughs> Cheetos. What are those? <laughs> Line of jewel. <laughs> You're just question, by what you posted well, on our Facebook. Final official question for <laughs> our final official question for the interview. Anywhere our listeners can go to learn more about you or your work? Yes. So all the books and links and all that stuff is all on my website, which is toscalee.com. And it's it's T-O-S-C-A-L-E-E. -E. You know, I've recently, you know, I've I found that people pronounce my name and spell it all different ways. He's like haunting <laughs> me with that Buffy. What are those things called? They're everywhere. What are those things called? Vinyl pop. Uh, pops. They're called yeah, pop characters. They're by Gunko, aren't they? Yeah. 
they have them for all different characters. Yeah. yeah they've got a whole Firefly line, too. I've seen yeah. it. Like, football players and mm -hmm. athletes. And, yeah. So, uh, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> well, it's just Toscalita. Of course, you know, He's I'm on sorry. social So, if you want to see fishing pictures or football in the yard with the kids and um, whatever other crazy I can cook up, I, I, I'm posting that stuff too. So, come along for the crazy ride. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show and... Um, Thanks for joining really, us. We awesome. really appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys are super fun. And you guys have like cooler toys on your desk than I have. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com or send us a tweet at ldkpodcast. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1 by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means if you're not for profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. If you are for profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Peace and long life. Live long and prosper.